A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. What do you think of my t-shirt? I mean, I preferred it when you had your jacket on <laughs> because actually displaying the whole design of it, I was happy to just see a slither of Mike. Can I call him Mike? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, today I'm wearing a Michael Schumacher t-shirt. One of the 400 that I own. It's actually a new purchase. Is it from Thailand? It looks like it. <laughs> it came off my Instagram feed the other day and I went, yep. Oh, those, <laughs> those Instagram ads are working a tree. <laughs> Literally, some t-shirt company out there. I actually don't even know the name of it. I'm really sorry. I should be shouting them out. Well, actually I should well, yeah, I, I yeah, paid, yeah, yeah, yeah. paid a lot of money. If you, if you did get Sam's order and you can backtrack through the emails, then please get in touch because we would, I would happily wear. Um, They've not, got a Carlos Sainz one, weirdly. Mm. They got okay. a Sebastian Vettel one. Yeah, um, probably wouldn't wear. I'd wear a Signs one just because I think he's a cool guy. A cool guy. Not, not sometimes. So then, do off. they only <laughs> do they only do Ferrari drivers? No. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out who it, who it is because I should shout them out. Like it's 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 a cool T-shirt, I guess. But yeah, new perch. And I thought, considering we're recording after Checkered Flag today, I might as well wear some merch as you often do you're actually not wearing no, any f1 no, merch, so I've, we've swapped roles i've gone super casual today can you help me out what's what's what does it say on my tag greasy tees is that right yeah that sounds about right. G R E greasy tees come on greasy tees what else do you offer it's weird that i mean i actually don't mind the color combination because you've kind of got this light pale khaki which is obviously on trend at the moment with bright red <laughs> really old school artwork with michael's face on it so yeah they do a Sebastian vettel t-shirt they do a carlos science oh well, they do a charlotte claire t-shirt yeah, so, so all the uh, ferrari yeah, for <laughs> it's fairly niche it's fairly niche and also right up my street <laughs> reliant on them doing quite well <laughs> um but anyway yes yeah, so there we go merched up greasy tees if you want to get yourself this very cool michael schumacher t-shirt anyway um welcome to the latest episode of after checkered flag if you're listening to us uh and you're thinking hey where can i watch these episodes and where can i see this fantastic t-shirt <laughs> well head over to recast.tv forward slash behind the glass because these days the video Video version of Aftershocker Flag sits exclusively on our recast page. Um, so you can go check that out. Um, but yeah, we're in this kind of weird limbo, right? This mm. non-summer summer break. A, a rather depressing time, considering <laughs> we've geared ourselves up for the season. We've had three races and all of a sudden now there's just... Poof, it's very flat. There's very little information and news out there because it's too early on in the season to get driver changes or anything exciting happening. The one thing that I am excited about, and I'm sure we'll get into it in this episode, is it's not a summer break because all of the teams can work as usual. So yeah. they can kind of crack on with developments. Usually we get this 
it, it, during a season to have this much time off from actual racing is usually in the summer when yeah, everything shuts down. You get the summer break and then come It's back. very Italian, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've done the work in the summer. You can understand why Ferrari get involved with the rulemaking. Um, but yeah, because the China, Chinese Grand Prix was abandoned once again or cancelled, we've ended up with this kind of month-long break between um, the last Grand Prix and Baku, uh, which is the next one. So yeah, we're, we're sitting around kind of twiddling our thumbs going, mm. come on, let's get back to it. Scouring Instagram. Scouring Instagram for <laughs> F1 news. But you're right, the the teams are probably behind the scenes working harder than ever because they've got this huge chunk of time to take the learnings, I guess, from the first three races and start to apply or modify the changes that they were planning to make. Mm. So the question is, do we think by the time we finally get to Baku, we might see a bit of a bit of a change. It's a bit like previously, it was always the start of the, the, the European season, mm. uh, Barcelona Grand Prix, that things would change slightly or there'd be some upgrades. With all of this time off, do we think one team is going to kind of move forward or? I mean, firstly, Baku is one of the greatest races. So to then usually. jump, usually, yeah. We thought that about Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> but like the excitement levels are starting to build. Um, I would be slightly concerned if there wasn't a change or a shift or even a closing of the gap between some of the teams in this break. Because, I mean, we always expect these top teams, Ferrari, Mercedes, to really push Red Bull down the road and try and catch up and, and close that gap. Um, and we haven't really seen that over between the end of last season and the beginning of this season, which we're all kind of as fans scratching our head to be like, well, we kind of want that fight for the Drivers' Championship, the World Championship, Constructors' Championship. So, yes, in theory, but that's kind of what we had hoped and expected at the beginning of the season. Whether that has given everyone a kick up the backside to be like, all right, we really have to figure out our car for Baku, you hope. Yeah, I mean, I don't, think necessarily kick out the backside i mean hopefully they would have turned up for the first race and gone we're not winning let's work harder <laughs> yeah. I don't think they would have gone, oh we've got some time off yeah, let's but see like, if we can do some work now look at mercedes they had from uh the end of november beginning of december all the way up until march and they literally stood stood firm with yeah we'll keep the same design we'll keep the same concept and let's see whether it works that's not really the attitude to have if they really are serious about giving Lewis that final eighth world championship. Well, what about the story that has come out saying that Lewis was actually pushing really hard at the end of last year to go into a different technical direction and supposedly even came with ideas. Like, wasn't oh, saying, guys, we need to change it up. He was like, it. guys, I think we should change the angle of... Like, apparently it was a legitimate... So he came with a PowerPoint. Came with a PowerPoint, apparently. <laughs> Did he come with a laptop to the Mercedes HQ? I would love to have seen it. <laughs> so um, would I, with maybe, his little glasses on. Maybe Angela bought it before they broke up. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently Toto and the rest of the team went, no, Luis, yeah. no, you drive, we build. And and stuck with that direction. And now they've all gone, oh, maybe, maybe Lewis had a point. <laughs> yeah. He is a champion. Um... So yeah, I mean, look, I get what you're hinting at. I think my hope is that if you look at those first three races, because it's always tough at the start of the year, it's always a bit of teething issues. We always take a while for things to settle down and for the real true form to, to come to the forefront. Um, I, I think we can probably stand firm on the fact that no one's really going to catch Red Bull for the championship. I think we 
we'll get some more competitive what? races at Baku, or do you think the whole championship? The whole year. Already, the oh, whole year. I think back to your pessimistic ways. Yeah, because it's not pessimism. I think it's realistic. <laughs> ways, realism. No, you've got to be a, a glass half full guy in, no, F- no, in, in F1. <laughs> my glass is not even tenth full. Um, because yeah, I mean, it's too much of an advantage that in this time off with cost cap and all these different things that suddenly we're going to get to Baku and Mercedes, Ferrari or Aston Martin are going to be on a level pegging. I I don't see it. Hey, I would love it if we're surprised. Um, You're surprised. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Don't don't tarnish me with the same brush. But I think what we might do is get things settling down because if we look at the first races, what could we agree the order was? Red Bull. Yeah. Mercedes. I'm talking about race pace. Yeah. Mercedes and Aston were kind of over the three races. You'd probably put them as equal. Yeah, okay, fair. So, yeah, Red Bull, Mercedes and Aston, fairly equal in second. Ferrari? Ferrari, third, kind of level pegging with Alpine. Alpine started yeah. to get their act together, didn't they? Yeah, in Australia. In Australia. But, yeah. but they had a slightly stronger... Um, Ooh, it's a Monday Saudi. morning. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, so I, I've only had Bahrain, Saudi, Australia. I, thank you for the help. <laughs> uh, that's dad life for you. Uh, losing brain cells by the minute. But but yeah, so I think I think Alpine are there or thereabouts. And then after that, it just seems a mishmash between the Alpha Tauris, the Williams, mm. the uh, the McLaren, God, all. Um, so you know, they, I think that that front running team might settle, and maybe Mercedes or Aston will stretch above the other i would i would say or predict that mercedes and ferrari ferrari i can imagine would leapfrog aston martin eventually Mm -hmm. if you look at the team the personnel the strategy mercedes have a constructors winning championship team and strategists there to really drive that car forward especially with lewis and george helping the development and you'd like to think that Ferrari have little little sort of gems in their Italian factory. I'm hoping to, as much as you are. But I just feel like Aston Martin have kind, kind of, I can imagine, stumbled across this, uh, across this no, performance. No, I don't think uh, that's uh, fair. No, no, no. no. Like, I, I genuinely think that they're a little bit surprised themselves. The way that they're posting on social media, the way that their sort of success has come, that have they got the personnel and the ability to drive that forward and keep up with Mercedes and Ferrari. We've never seen it. So we, I mean, I'm just guessing and predicting, but I just don't think that they're going to be able to match the pace of rate of development as Mercedes and Ferrari. Okay. I, I really disagree. I, I think, yes, I don't think maybe Aston Martin expects to leap so high up the grid. You know, I think they were hopeful of being, the third or fourth most competitive team and they've really ended up as the the second. Um, But history has shown us that Force India, Racing Point, teams or or that team in a different guise can remain competitive throughout a year and we have seen them forever being the competitive underdog Mm. and being there or thereabouts. Okay, fine. Arguably, they haven't been quite this competitive in their history, I don't think, as that team. Uh, Viewers, feel free to correct me on that if you can yeah, mark a year where they've, you know, that team under whatever name has been more competitive. Um, but, but yeah, it is the big question though, isn't it? Mm. Can they keep up? Yeah. Are, are under pressure in a genuine podium and maybe even race winning contention if Red Bull falter, 
are they there? Have they got the team? And I think, yes, I think that's what Stroll has been absolutely working his butt off for over the last few years. And all of his big chav, I, whatever I do, I win. Like, he's just got to learn the best. You're talking about Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you said Lance. <laughs> and I was like, I think you're getting the wrong. Stroll, yeah. Stroll's mixed up. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> And he's just gone and hired the best people who do know how to go and win. So, yeah, I don't want to do the whole, they fluked into this position like, oh, isn't it cute seeing Aston Martin? <laughs> like, It'll be fun while it lasts. Like, I'm hoping it's real deal legit. You hope and, they're there to stay. Yeah, and with the mess that Ferrari are in at the moment, and arguably the mess that Mercedes are in, let's not forget Mercedes didn't know why they were so competitive in Australia. Yeah. Just like last year, they were like, oh, yeah, like it's good that we're fast. But so we're in a good. way, it's the Mercedes and Ferrari almost not being able to understand their car and performance that has meant Aston Martin have leapfrogged. No, I just think Aston Martin do a better job. Oh, I, think, okay. I think Aston Martin understand their car, know how to turn it on and know how to get the maximum pace out of it. Is there more pace to come from the Aston? I don't know. Mm. The Mercedes and the Ferrari, I think there's more pace to come. Well, well, from those two teams, we've heard of upgrades that are coming in Baku um, that could potentially accelerate them up even further. For sure. So, you know, I think I think you can see that there's things not quite right with those cars and that when they really turn it on and, and, and hit the sweet spot, as Mercedes did in qualifying in Australia, you're like, okay, they've mm. got a competitive package, but they didn't know how they got there. Well, Aston Martin, turn out the track, they're very chill. This is our package. Boom, it's really fast. Yeah. So let's, let's see. It's, it's going to be fascinating, but there is a chance. Let's not get too excited. <laughs> then we'll get to back here and things might look a little bit different. Now, weirdly, in this off-season, um, <laughs> we've had, had, a, had various blasts from the past. Names getting swept back up yeah. under the rug. Is that, is that even a phrase? <laughs> well, I see what you were trying to do. Yeah, I don't yeah. it worked, but it's yeah. almost like the rug got lifted up and a few names have popped themselves back out. Well, because there's not a lot of racing, they're like, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whilst it's quite an F1, remember me? Uh, I guess we've got to kick off with the bizarre story that came out that Felipe Massa oh my God. was looking into whether there's any legal way to essentially <laughs> get him the 2008... <laughs> Formula One World Championship because it, it came out that Bernie Eccleston and Formula One knew about the Crashgate scandal that was Nelson Piquet being told to purposefully crash in Singapore to designate so that Fernando Alonso could win the race due to a safety car strategy. And there's a thought that, oh, well, then they should be disqualified or disqualified from the championship. Well, I don't know what it is, but this to me really stunk of desperation. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it stunk of a lot of things, but it definitely. Um, firstly, came out of the blue. Secondly, he must have had someone in his ear going, "We found a loophole." Geeing him up. Yeah, because Mate, you know what this means. It's not like he's had a legal representative come out and make a statement. Like he himself has tried to win back a world championship from fifteen years ago as if they're going to overturn it. There was more chance of it getting overturned in 2021 with Lewis and Max. Literally, this is what's so bizarre. It's like, if if this was even a thing, think of all the championships around the world in various <laughs> yeah, different sports. Yeah, yeah. People were suddenly like, well, hold on a yeah. second. I mean, if you let that one slide, how many more are you going to let slide? Exactly that. And you're right with the uproar that was around the 2021 season finishing to then be revisiting a, 
a race that wasn't even <laughs> yeah. the title decider. There were so many races that year that were fundamentally title deciders um, and, and swayed that championship. Oh, the whole thing kind of annoyed me because I think Massa had retired quite uh, elegantly. You know, he'd become a an elder statesman of the sport. Oh, like he's 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 popped onto all sorts of different grids. I was in Saudi Arabia and he came on and did a talk um, with Johnny Herbert as well. And he was this really sort of like cool, calm, collected, very suave, respectful ex-Formula One driver. And now he's come out and almost tarnished his brand a little bit because every time he gets back into the F1 paddock, everyone's going to look at him at a different different angle now. Yeah, and ask him, oh, what's going on with yeah, you yeah, trying yeah, to get championship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, like, let it go, man. It's, it seems quite bitter and very unexpected from his character that he portrays to the television and global F1 fan base. And it's not like ever since that race yeah, in yeah, Brazil. Yeah, when yeah, that, yeah. He he's been bringing it up. Yeah, yeah, guys, come on. Like, mm. if he'd been flying the flag for 15 yeah, years, then that yeah. should have been my championship and he'd always been bitter about it and he'd never forgiven Timo Glock or never hugged Lewis. And said, All of these things, you'd be like, I get it. The guy he, just can't let it go. He did an interview with Timo Glock. Yeah. At Brazil. I don't blame you. Yeah. And, and like, it, and Lewis, you're the best. You're yeah. the best. Like, I lost to the yeah. best. Like, yeah. And now he's like, actually, you're not the yeah. best. <laughs> I should have won. <laughs> it's real. I mean, it was just bizarre. So I think you're right. I think they're on a drunken night out somewhere and someone's gone. Probably in Brazil. <laughs> That's stereotypical. <laughs> um, or Monaco. I think Monaco. <laughs> uh, um, and someone's got in his ear and been like, bro, bro, come <laughs> on, man. That, sh- that championship should have been yours. I um, actually saw, going off topic, but thinking about Monaco, I actually saw, did you see this? A LaFerrari parked outside uh, the Japanese restaurant that had Charles Leclerc, number 16, all over it. And everyone was kind of speculating that that was his car. I reckon it was just a fan's car. But, Hasn't Massa got a black Ferrari, uh, LaFerrari, black LaFerrari with all of the red details? And Alonso has as well. So Massa did. I think Massa sold his. To Alonso? Uh, well, <laughs> so there, there is quite a well... Basically, yeah, the black with red pinstriping mm. seems to have been either a very popular spec for the LaFerrari, yeah. or I'm wondering if that was a Ferrari driver thing no because alonso so and massa it. would have been teammates yeah. at a similar time for 24 uh well no when the laferrari at least was being if you were specking your laf would they have still been there when did alonso leave ferrari did he leave before a, that the laf was 2012 yeah oh fine yeah so yeah. he was at ferrari so either yeah massa sold his laferrari to alonso <laughs> or because yeah. there's somebody else that's been spied in that spec that is ferrari associated because mm, there's, there's definitely one in the uk about 10 minutes away from where i live at the new ferrari dealership with identical spec yeah so yeah so but to go back to your original point yeah there was this this <laughs> fan fan well fan if it spec? was charlotte oh, claire's car wow the car's got an ego <laughs> yeah one. yeah so yeah it was a la ferrari which had not only his numbers his racing number number 16 on the sort of side flanks but also like sponsor logos like the santander <laughs> yeah, yeah. logo like that's him like really committing like i love me yeah, yeah, as Ferrari yeah, yeah. formula one so when i'm not in an f1 car i want to be driving at the closest thing yeah and make sure everyone knows <laughs> yeah. that it's me um, i mean he doesn't really hide himself in monaco in that pista anyway no roof down every day <laughs> just cruising in a uniquely spec pista um yeah, that was that was bizarre, but not as bizarre as Massa trying to reclaim his champion, his lost championship. Uh, but speaking of Ferrari and weird stories, Danny Kvyat. Oh, here we go. Good old Danny Kvyat. Torpedo. The, the torpedo. <laughs> uh, in case you're newer to F1, Danny Kvyat was 
a part of the Red Bull program quite a few years ago now. Very successful at Toro Rosso, uh, got moved up to Red Bull when Vettel left. And it was the start of that kind of renowned second seat or that, that sort of quick replacing at Red Bull with what appeared to be Helmut Marko just chopping and changing drivers as he liked because he thought the they were performing. Second seat. Yeah, so that exactly that. You know, to that point they hadn't changed drivers as quickly as they did over the following years. But yeah, they brought Kavia in and then he got absolutely ousted for Verstappen. He got demoted back to Toro Rosso, ousted for Verstappen, and then Verstappen got rid of Ricardo and then obviously since then we've just had a <laughs> chop and change of Gasly's and Pierre and sorry and uh, Albon's and everyone. Anyway, uh Kvyat came out and said that in 2016, so prior, or was that the start of his second year, just before was, he got booted out, yeah. when he was at Red Bull, Ferrari came knocking at his door and said they wanted him to replace Raikkonen. That's crazy. And he said, no, I'm good. I'm going to stick it at Red Bull. And then six months later, he was kicked out of Red Bull yeah. and demoted to Toro Rosso and his Formula One career basically ended. I mean, firstly, it's obvious that Ferrari have been panicking for a driver for quite some time if they were looking around Danny Kvyat. Um but also, do you know what excites me about this story? Is whilst now F1 is at its absolute peak in terms of media attention, how much the fan base love the sport with Drive to Survive and our podcast, <laughs> <laughs> is what stories are going to come out from this current grid in 10 years' time? You always say this. Yeah, yeah, because I want to see the movies about all of the stuff and maybe drive to survive is kind of giving us that little bit of what goes on behind the race. But I would love to see, uh, is it a biopic? Yeah. The, the, of, of Lewis's career, because I think there's just so much that we have no idea about. If Danny Kovic's coming out and saying that Ferrari approached him, think about, the, the stuff that goes on that no one is aware of or has access to. Well, there's there, there's a there's a handful of, uh, and, and I this is for me, it always fascinates me. I think firstly, it comes out quite a lot that Ferrari seem to approach quite a lot of drivers. <laughs> it's like a regular thing for them where I think they always want to be on the forefront of being able to pick whichever drivers they want to pick. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And they seem to always be sussing out. We've always had the stories of, um, you know, Kubitzer and his kind of pre-signed contract. Um, uh, Mark Webber, I think, uh, back in the day, also had the option or was potentially going to go to Ferrari to end his career. You've always heard these things. I think, was it DC at one point? Was up for Ferrari? Anyway, I can't remember. But yeah, lots and lots of drivers seem to have conversations with Ferrari. But you're right you know, looking at a Lewis Hamilton or even an Alonso or whatever it might be and finding out about the moves they could have made. And I remember definitely chats of Lewis going to Red Bull at times. Mm. I remember like F1 racing magazines, I'm sure did a cover of him like mocked up in a Red Bull suit. Yeah. But also there was definitely a Ferrari, a big Ferrari yep. chat at one point, yep. wasn't there? Um, and you could have said the same for, for Vettel. And when they've made these big moves drivers, especially Lewis from McLaren to Mercedes, you always kind of want to know like what else was on the table, what else was being discussed. Yeah, We know with Daniel Ricciardo, the whole Renault and McLaren thing, and went to Renault, then went back to McLaren. And it, it is fascinating. And every now and again, you get these stories, mainly on F1's podcast, um, uh, Beyond the Checkered Flag. That's right. Is that what it's called? Beyond the, Beyond grid. the grid. Thank you. We're, we're the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, this is confusing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I find it fascinating. And to finish off this section... One other name that came out of the past. Do you remember Jaime Algaswari? Is that a bit too rogue a reference? That for is, you? yeah. So he again was a Toro Rosso driver. He's now become a really successful DJ, disc jockey. Oh, and he was teammates. More money. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he was teammates with Sebastian Buemi. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. at the time, uh, Formula E went to Formula E, right? Amongst many things, including he, WEC. Yeah, but they were really the hot up and comers. It was when Red Bull was starting to perform really well. Toro Rosso weren't bad and Buemi especially but also Jean-Éric Verne and then Algaswari somewhat but Verne and Buemi it was like these two guys seem super hot like these two guys have a lot of potential especially Buemi but there's no space there's, no, there's nowhere for them to go mm. and Red Bull basically won't let them go to another team so ended wow. their careers essentially and it kind of came out at the time that Helmut Marko basically turned around and said look you guys aren't winners so adios mate <laughs> and Buemi look at his stats i was gonna say yeah it's almost doing him a disservice to just say oh he went formula eight yeah. he's done loads he's I'm won just, everything yeah yeah and this yeah. is so so Algaswari because i think he either won or he was on pole for the portamao six hours just this weekend yeah. um i, I reckon if you showed it. me his name i uh, just i can't work out the jumble of letters Jaime, Jaime Algaswari. yeah i don't know how you'd spell that but i think if you showed me his name if i showed you his it page, would be you'd, familiar you'd see him if, yeah if i showed you his because uh, he was very young. He was one of the very young drivers, that guy. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, sorry. But Buemi, so just to, just to reel this off, because <laughs> yeah, this was yeah. Algasari's point. He's like, you know, just FYI, 11 years ago, we were told we were not winners and we weren't going anywhere and ended our careers. And like, I'm not talking about myself, but just my teammate, Buemi, <laughs> went on. So FYA, World Endurance Championship. He's been racing in since 2012. He's won the championship three times, 2014, 2018, and 2022. He's had 22 wins, 10 poles, 11 fastest laps. In Formula E, he's been racing since 2014. 
He's won the championship once. He's won 13 E-Prix, 29 podiums, 15 poles. Um, and then in the 24 hours of Le Mans, he won it in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2022. I was going to say, yeah. I, I mean, I've definitely been there when he's won Le Mans. He is a machine. The thing is, it's impossible to know. I was just about to say, you're comparing him with all of the other drivers that haven't quite made it into Formula One. Well, he was in Formula One, but ha- but haven't been able to stick around. Yes. That yeah. got booted out, you know. And you look at Hulkenberg, for example, who just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. Is that because he's a schmoozer? Maybe. Mm. Great networking. I'm sure got a bit of money behind him as well. Yeah. But Boemi, it's so hard to know when these drivers leave F1 and become very successful outside of the sport. Without getting another What does chance. that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Because he's fantastic in endurance racing. Mm. Does that mean that his abilities and his skills suit a different kind of car, different kind of racing. I remember speaking to someone that the maturity levels that are required for an endurance racer is someone that is that bit older than your sort of usual Formula One driver. And I was actually talking to um, the Corvette Le Mans drivers of the 2022 Le Mans, and they were talking about how these racers have gone from karting and single seat racing and evolved into a more mature driver, someone that needs that more long distance mentality to complete the race. And and maybe he's just evolved into that mold a little bit more. Not to say that he would have been successful in Formula One if he had the ability or given the option to stay. It also shows how like the money side of Formula One can really manipulate the grid. One million percent. And I think, yeah, I, I would disagree with you slightly because I think there's been lots of examples of young drivers performing very well, especially at Le Mans or in endurance, I, I get what you're saying. It's a valid point. And for sure, if, if racers are telling you that, then there's 100% truth in it. But I think it's more just mentality rather than age. I think it's just, I'm assuming it's, it's driver mentality and the ability to do a long distance race at speed compared to a Formula One race, which is obviously usually an hour and a half, an hour and three quarters, um, different kind of mentality, different kind of racing style. And I just, I think, yeah, it's so fascinating that someone could be so prolific outside of Formula One but maybe theoretically wasn't giving enough within the sport. Mm. What would have happened if he'd stayed? If he if he was able to get a seat at another team and stick through his career, could he have could he have reached the same kind of winning ways? It's we will never know. But I think there have definitely been examples of drivers who've performed better away from F1 than they have done it in F1. But also it shows once again the caliber of Formula One drivers and how much the car matters mm. because a lot of these other series, the car isn't as important. And Nick DeVries is such a prime example of that, right? That amazing performance last year at Monza that we were like, God, this guy, Formula E world champion. Yeah. He's just been, he missed his moment, but now he's going to get back in. This is great. He's given a dodgy Alpha Tauri car. <laughs> And we haven't heard about him. Yeah. Literally, no one has spoken about him for the first three races of the year. He's yeah. quietly plodding away at the just back. A great so filler. just it's so harsh. So um, <laughs> at, the mo- yeah, at the moment. At the moment. So no, I, but it's just fascinating. So I thought <laughs> I thought it was a really, really uh, yeah, interesting point, but old Jaime Algaswari. <laughs> 
So blasts from the past out of the way. Mm. Let's move on to what we do actually have to look forward to because at some point we are going to get a race. <laughs> Finally, I keep looking Finally. at my watch. And then actually, it, actually the race is pretty thick and fast after that. Yeah. So we're going to be getting Thank right into the it. the Lord. Um, Baku. Baku is, is coming and you touched on it earlier. It has previously provided some pretty epic racing. Yes. Pretty chaotic racing. Yeah. And with the new mentality of the FIA and their ability to throw out a red flag whenever they want, we might be in for quite a few restarts. One million percent. <laughs> um, but what we might also see, what we are going to see, is this new format for a sprint weekend. Yeah, because I'm very familiar with the original format of the sprint uh, weekend and love it. You're and a big fan of Sprint yeah, Weekend. Yeah, you not you? so much. No, I never really liked the Sprint Weekend. I'm a bit like a Max Verstappen in that sense. I was like, it just doesn't feel like the DNA of the sport. I don't feel like anything ever really happened. Like on lap one, sometimes there was yeah. a bit of overtaking, but everyone was very careful. And then after lap one, it was just 20 laps of boredom. Yeah, so my argument is Friday afternoon, you finish work, head down to the pub, have a pint. Have a glass of water. Get back. Qualifying's on. It's not FP2. Qualifying starts on the Friday and you've got an entire weekend starting on the Friday evening of Formula One action. That actually means something for the entirety of the weekend. Um, but you were explaining, because I had no idea, that there's even a m more intricate format that's happening and taking place at Baku. I believe they are trialling sprint race qualifying <laughs> so now on a friday you get free practice one yeah and then grand prix qualifying oh so, so they they don't get that long to figure out the car no but that i mean that was normal that's what we had before right from true the, true from the sprint forward. so so one practice session and then you're straight into qualifying for the race and that locks in the grid for sunday locked in done so that's definitely adhering to some of the complaints that the drivers had on the previous sprint race weekends that well they were upset that the qualifying basically didn't matter for sunday and they were too scared to kind of fight for position in the sprint race that then on yeah, the sunday so nothing really made any sense ex exactly because on the saturday now you'll have another qualifying session which will then set the grid for the sprint which will then be its standalone event so saturday is essentially it's own event with its own qualifying and its own race so it's correct me if i'm wrong a little bit like f2 yes or a little bit more like f2 a little bit more like f2 i think the the inherent problem which a few drivers have pointed out is okay fine that theoretically makes there's more of an incentive to race on the saturday because mm. if you do go backwards you're not losing out on the main Grand Prix. Because you've qualified on the Friday anyway. Exactly. So it's all bonus points. Yeah. So it's all bonus points. So you, all you're doing is you're giving the drivers a chance to get more points. But there's still going to be caution to the wind because if you wipe out the car on Saturday, yeah. you are giving your team a hectic <laughs> job to rebuild before Sunday. And I don't understand the rules here. But let's say you do crash on Saturday and you need to replace a gearbox or you need to replace a part. Mm. Surely that's still going to give you the same penalty for the Grand Prix. Or do you see what I mean? Like you're how does that yeah, work? Yeah, you're almost racing around at a, as close to 100% as possible to get maximum points, but at the same time kind of racing on eggshells. Yeah, and like, 
you could see why a midfield driver would give it everything on on the Saturday. Mm. You know, you could see why they'll fuel the driver super light in the morning, go really aggressive on the tire strategy, just to try and get a Williams in P5 or yeah. a Haas on the podium or whatever. Mm. It makes sense because the top teams theoretically will be taking it a bit easier. Yeah, because you don't want to think. But at the same time. <sighs> Well, then that's, I think then that's silly because then you're not really seeing proper racing because yes, yeah, if you're Max Verstappen, you're just going to go, right, come on through then, Kevin Magnussen. I'm not going to fight you because I don't want the risk. So. And, and on the Sunday, I'll beat you anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've focused a little bit, in my opinion, they've focused a little bit too much on how can they make Saturday become more meaningful for the teams and drivers without actually thinking about this this cost cap thing. Um, because I remember in Saudi, there were teams that basically, if they were having crashes in practice, they weren't being able to rebuild them properly to be able to actually compete on the Saturday and Sunday. So does that mean now that because of the cost cap, because they have to spend within their means, they're not going to be able to bring as many parts as possible to the race weekend, meaning that if you're going wheel to wheel with someone on the Saturday are you still going to go for that gap and try and barge someone out of the way? It's a big risk. It's still a big risk, which then, so, so then you go, right, well, what's the solution? Okay. Any damage repairs or anything like that don't incur penalties mm. for the Sunday. So that, that Saturday is its own event. So if you have to replace a gearbox or an engine, you can do so. Might as well then, just bring a second car. Well, so that's what I was going to get onto. Oh, sorry. <laughs> is, is no, because the problem with that, eradicate the penalties, is then you'll get teams being very clever and going, oh, engine's not working. Just put a fresh engine in for Sunday. Yeah. Easy peasy. And also, yeah, that's the thing. So you think, right, let's just bring back the old T car, the old spare car. Yeah. But then the costs are going yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a solution. Put my hand up. Go on go-karts on saturday don't be stupid <laughs> uh, fundamentally formula one are trying to do what you love which is create action and excitement all three days yeah i think they're trying to milk the cash cow a little too much yeah what other sporting events around the world are three days of action yeah it will increase ticket oh, prices four. yeah for, <laughs> it, they're trying to increase ticket prices they're trying to increase sales they're trying to increase uh, tv revenue everything so that we all have to watch and consume more and be around uh, yeah. for more whereas i think scrap friday have fp1 on a saturday morning qualifying on a saturday afternoon race on a sunday bish bash bosh compact it but Formula One are going to do that because they're losing a day of ticket sales of tv revenue everything so that's the problem that we've got formula one aren't going to give up on this they're wanting to make cash but like verstappen said and like i agree it feels a little bit half pointless half non-formula one half a bit gimmicky yeah um so if you were having to keep a sprint of some form it's difficult to say because we've not seen this new format but do you think the previous format made more sense than this one? Because just talking about it, because this is really the first time that we've talked about it, it seems as though they've taken one step forward, two steps back in terms of action and making the drivers actually race for something, which is going to be interesting because the other mentality, the other point that I was thinking of whilst you were talking about it is what does that mentality bring to the driver 
in terms of qualifying because they all talk about how hyped up they get as drivers for qualifying, especially at street circuits. Baku being one of them, Monaco, we all know how important the qualifying is. So it's almost more important to channel all of your energy into that one qualifying session. Now there's two. What does that mean for the driver in terms of just their pure mentality of going into that qualifying on the Saturday as opposed to having the qualifying on the Friday as well? It just kind of defeats the point of putting your all into that one session that gives you that one result at the end of the race weekend. Why am I now talking myself out of loving the sprint <laughs> race weekend? <laughs> no, no I, I, I think the new format is better. Okay. I think the new format is a better idea, but wrought with problems because I still don't think it's going to solve uh, yeah. the, the lack of action in the sprint race. I think what's going to be fascinating is the drivers, if they're giving 100% to qualifying on a Friday afternoon, because that's the race grid, on Saturday morning, are they as motivated? Can they deliver again yeah. at 100%? Yeah. Will we see a different grid? 100%. Will we see some prize, surprises? Mm -hmm. Absolutely guaranteed. Because I think, as I say, I don't know the actual format for the Saturday morning. I'm assuming it's the same knockout format. Um, they should That would be clever if they changed yeah, the actual yeah, format. Yeah, just do like um, a 20 minute run. Let's have a look at that. Or if it's like a one, one shot wonder. Because F2, uh, they just do 20 minutes qualifying, don't they? Sprint. And they're all out on track at the same time. Why can I not type Baku sprint qualifying? I reckon that's it, it's going to be quite hard to find and sift through. Sprint qualifying, single lap Q3 planned amid new format for Baku. Not that difficult to find. Yeah. Okay. So they're basically, everyone's in Q3. Mm, no. I think... It follows the same format, and then it's single lap. So who Joe, will be every the new format. The next Grand Prix of the Formula One Championship scheduled for Baku will be the first sprint race. For this occasion, the program was underway to change the format of the weekend. Friday would feature the usual first free practice, second being cancelled and replaced with qualifying. This, moreover, will establish the starting grid for Sunday, with another qualifying session for the sprint race being held on Saturday morning. How the sprint qualifying takes place. The new qualifying session, according to what is emerging, while awaiting for official decision foresees the performance of three phases currently present in the battle for pole position, Q1, Q2, and Q3. Unlike uh, all of these, unlike the traditional weekends, however, will take place with shorter timings to the point that a specific plan is being discussed only for Q3, which is the decisive one. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. So one lap, that's what, it in uh, Q3. Uh, okay, but that still is only the top 10 drivers. Yeah. Do you know what? I've got another plan. Go on. Not go-karts. Oh, don't start. Saturday. No, I don't want to know should be the team reserve drivers racing. Oh, yeah, sick. Amazing. No, that should be Friday. Stick oh, with the current format. Do, do If you're going to do... So the, the reserve drivers qualify for this? No, 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 no. Just do a separate... If you want action, don't yeah. do it on a Saturday. You, the weekend's got to ramp up. You don't do practice and qualifying on a Friday and then you've got reserve drivers <laughs> in on a Saturday before the main race. It, it, instead, I think that's actually a genius idea, is 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 on the Friday, or go back to Sunday pre-race, pre um... Get, yeah, get the reserve yeah. of the young drivers in. It's the mm. young driver race. Still counts towards the constructors' that, championship. Well, young drivers would be just F2. That's literally F2. Yeah, but most of the reserve drivers are F2. Yeah. Stick a load of F2 drivers in a Formula 1 car, let them yeah. go race. Fucking yeah. mate. <laughs> yeah. Sounds outrageous. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm not bitter and old enough to be completely against change. I get it. Formula yeah. 1's got to move around. But I just think we're not getting really anywhere yet on paper because I think Saturday afternoon could still be a bit 
casual, but let's wait and see. Mm. I'm I'm very keen to be proven wrong. And because it's the first of a new format, it will be chaotic. Yeah. Because it sounds like they haven't quite agreed the qualifying format yet, at least from what I could research. Um, and people are going to be trying stuff. Mm. And it's Baku. So we can only keep our fingers crossed. Oh, yes. I still want to fly the flag there for my alternative Monaco Grand Prix. Go on. Which is... Go-karts. No, no. <laughs> Average qualifying. Okay. So like the Indy yeah. 500. Yeah. It's two sessions... Average to, top speed. No, yeah, basically. <laughs> where you've got to do three qualifying laps and you're, it's the average of those that, three laps. Yeah, that's cool. So you get five, so each driver goes out for five laps, out lap, then three laps, and then in lap. And those three laps, you get the average time. And it's kind of like that throughout the day. So you can see who can maintain the highest speed on average with that focus and that concentration. And it just whittles down. You could have, you know, Saturday is qualifying. And then on the Sunday, you get the top 10 drivers do it and maybe it's an average of 10 laps yeah anyway that brings an end to the latest episode of after flag this weird lull that we've got we will be back shortly after back you i guess i Mm. I need to check the diary but we'll be back very soon we're going to be around the world somewhere i think i'm just i'm just double checking i think it is just just after back it is yeah so So we're we're jumping in pretty much 24 hours after baku how exciting. We'll be discussing all of the action. So if you want to watch us and see what crazy F1 merch Paul and I wear in the next oh, yeah. episode. Oh, well, I'm going to go shopping right now. Yeah, head over to recast.tv forward slash behind the glass and you can book your place for live streams that Tony and I do for the main episode or get access to the video content. Otherwise, sit back and relax and you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever uh, podcast player you like to use. Um, and our next episode will be going live in a few weeks post back. If you want to follow Paul in the meantime, he's at WallacePJW on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass. We'll catch up with you again very soon. Bye bye. Goodbye. After the chicken flag. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 